Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by Texans insider and lead writer for Texans.com, D.B. Sadu. D.B. talks about the importance of evaluating yourself, her superpower, which is one we should all learn, bringing a different perspective to her work, and so much more. This episode is fun and inspiring, so let's get to it. D.B., welcome to the Get My Job podcast. My dogs are barking. They're so excited that you're joining us today. Thank you so much for being here. Gotta love having dogs in the house, especially during COVID. But yeah, I, I can appreciate the dog's excitement for me, and I thank you, and I thank them. I'll I'll make sure to let them know. They'll be very happy. They're so funny. They'll be, uh, it's just the way it is. I'm recording a podcast. They'll be completely quiet all day long. And then the second I start recording, they start barking, but that's okay. Uh, Let's jump right in and talk about you and your journey to where you are today. So if you could kind of start by taking us through your professional journey and how you got to the Houston Texans. Well, uh, this is always a funny question because I always tell people, don't follow my journey. It's not how you want to get into sports, but I actually uh, ended up in sports just because I love it so, so much. My my actual background is in engineering. So I graduated. um, I'm going to condense this as much as best as I can, but I graduated with an electrical engineering degree from Purdue uh, because my parents immigrated from India and that was the best option for jobs. I, I, I guess they, they told me that I could pick whatever I wanted to major in, mechanical or electrical engineering. So I picked, I picked electrical, but I'd always had a passion for radio and for broadcasting. I had worked in, at my radio station in high school when I was 15. I got my FCC license and I just, I just had such a passion for talking, I guess you could say. I okay. still love talking. It's still a big hobby of mine, as everyone tells me. Um, yeah, but I, I loved sports. I loved radio. I did work in the corporate world after college for a bit here in Texas Instruments in Texas. And then, you know, I just it just wasn't fulfilling for me. I, I wanted mm-hmm. to go back and and just pivot in my career. I thought maybe it's marketing, but maybe it's sports marketing. Maybe it's not semiconductor marketing. So I was trying to always get into sports and I thought it would be the marketing route. So I got my MBA thinking, okay, I'm going to get into marketing. And then all the while I'd been cultivating my radio broadcasting because it was really just a passion project for me. I worked at a nonprofit radio station through my twenties for over a decade. I did some freelance writing for a few outlets, uh, just, just, you know, about the NFL, about being a female fan. And it just dawned on me like about a decade later that that really kind of counts as work experience, even if you're not getting paid for it, Mm -hmm. even if you're not getting paid for it. So, you know, I I took all of that and decided, you know, I'm just going to try the broadcasting thing one more time. I, I did an internship. This is in my thirties. I'd had kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought if I go back to work and leave my kids, it better be for something I really, really love to do. So I thought, I'll just do an internship. It's part-time. I, I got a, uh, an internship at our flagship station, Sports Radio 610, and they carry all the Texans games. And they needed someone to do these flash updates. They used to do them every half hour, just a scoring update. But when I actually began interning, I wasn't on the air. I was just sort of helping answer phones or get coffee or every now and then I'd transcribe an interview. That was like the most exciting thing 
I could do. And, and it's funny because now when I have to transcribe an interview, I hate it. But I remind myself that when I was an intern, I loved when I actually got to do sportsy stuff that, you know, uh-huh. meant, 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 meant something. So I, I try to humble myself by thinking there was a day when I actually enjoyed this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live embedding, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. It, you know, I tried to make myself as useful as I could throughout my internship. And when it ended, sadly, they didn't have a spot for me. So I kind of went back on my own and, and did my own thing for a while. And and the program director, who was super helpful to me at the time, I saw that he was taking a job in Dallas. His name is Gavin Spittle. He still runs a big station up in Dallas. And, you know, I just thought I'd reach out to him and say, hey, thank you for the opportunity. Best of luck in Dallas. It was just such a pleasure learning everything. And then lo and behold, a few days later, he pushes my application through and I'm getting a call from Sports Radio 610 that they want me to join their staff. So I don't know if he, I never even asked him if if maybe he just forgotten about me or maybe that reminded him. I'm I'm not even sure how that happened, but you know, it was a very innocent email. I wasn't even looking for anything. And, and that, and that sort of began my journey into sports, you know, as a career. So I, it was a part-time job at Sports Radio 610. I was writing, I was covering all the sports like Astros, Texans, I was covering college. I was covering the Rockets. I, I was I was doing whatever I could to write for their website because they just wanted content. And most radio mm-hmm. people, like myself, like to talk. They don't like to write. So <laughs> I did. I I didn't get much. I didn't really get a chance to be on the air because there were so many people that were fighting for airtime. So I just made myself useful and I wrote uh, whatever I could. So they they became shorthanded at one point, and pretty soon I was writing everything. And I was editing the site too. So that's how I actually met my boss, who is the play-by-play for the Texans. He's also VP of broadcasting, Mark Vandermeer, because he used to do the morning show at Sports Radio 610. And I think he saw that coming out of Sports Radio 610, all the articles that had anything to do with the Texans were all written by one person. So Mm -hmm. he had a job for a team reporter come open as soon as he came on in-house and took over the department. He asked me to throw my application in the ring. I was very, very, very green in his words because I think he thought I'd been doing this for a really long time. Um, I had not. (laughs) And so I came in for the interview and I just wanted the job so badly. This job that I have now, I just wanted to write and travel with the team and do radio. And we didn't even have a TV department that I just wanted to do any sort of radio or, you know, I got to cover the team. So I came in and he, they had a lot of applicants for my position. And, and he even said to me, wow, you're, <laughs> you're really green. I thought you had a lot more experience. And I think that gave me the permission in my interview to just be myself. I thought, mm-hmm. I've got nothing to lose. I'm probably not going to get this job. So I'm just going to be myself because what, what do I have to lose? I, I was actually not even nervous because I thought there's really, it just didn't seem like from his body language, there was much of a chance. I actually chatted with him about him, him and his career, got to know him a little bit better, which now looking back is probably the thing that most interviewers, interviewers really like. You're, you're not about yourself. You're actually getting to know them. I was mm-hmm. only doing it because I didn't think I had a shot at the job, to right. be honest. 
And then, you know, we, we went our separate ways. I didn't hear back from Mark for about two weeks. And I kid you not, Tracy, I lost eight pounds in two weeks. And as a woman, you know, this is very, very, very difficult to do. Yes. And I, it was stress. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I knew I was going to get rejected. And I was already sad. I had gone into this like pre-depression <laughs> about not getting a job that I really wanted to have. And so I didn't realize that the Texans closed down for a week like in July. So that's why nobody had even reached out to me for a week. Okay. Another week goes by. They call me, he calls me back. And I'm thinking, and he asked me a few random questions like, do you do fantasy football? And I said, yes. And then I tried to read into it like, oh, they want me to be the fantasy person. Like, I don't want to be, the, I want to be the actual person person. But I came in and I thought, okay, well, I'll just take whatever they give me. And I had imagined this scenario. I don't know why, but I imagined this scenario where I was sitting in front of like eight people who were, who were going to be grilling me as to why I deserve this opportunity that I didn't even originally apply for. And when I walked in, Mark leads me into a room. We open the door and it's just two chairs and we sit down and he says, so do you want the job? <laughs> and it was like, I just couldn't, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor because I needed him to clarify what exactly he meant because I wasn't sure if I was really understanding the words. <laughs> and uh, he, he offered me the job. I, of course, said yes. And the rest is history. And that was 10 years ago. And I, and I joke with him every now and then. I'm like, you should just fire me around the holidays so I could just lose like eight pounds real quick and then just <laughs> hire me right back. Because it was like the best diet that I didn't mean to go on that I went on. But, you know, this is my 10th season now. And I think I just have this eternal sense of gratitude of getting to do what I do every single day because I know it's really, really hard to break into sports. And I think when you work in a career that you're just not happy with and then you get to do it, you just have even more of an appreciation because it, my climb was very long and it was very slow. And I just really didn't see myself having this job one day in my career. I thought if I even could intern at a radio station or work part-time somewhere, I would have been happy with that. But to have a job in the NFL being a team reporter um, was really just a dream come true. But that that's actually the short version of my story, Tracy, because uh, it's a very, very, very windy road that I was on. Well, you know, something that I've noticed on this podcast that is interesting is whenever I ask someone to go through their professional journey, most everyone says it wasn't, it's not linear, it's not the most normal journey, but it's your journey. And I think it really drives home the point that working in sports media Every journey is kind of all over the place and it takes a number yeah. of different routes. And I don't know, because I really don't know that there's anyone I've had on that feels that they've had a quote unquote, quote, normal journey to where they are. And I think it just shows you have to put yourself out there and take opportunities and, and you being in your thirties and doing this internship and kind of doing whatever they needed you to do and doing the flash scores every half hour on the radio station. It just shows you got to put yourself in positions to get on the journey and do the work and, and then these types of things happen. So I think it's important. So I'm glad that you, you did go through that for us. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is just being useful to other people, being helpful. I mean, I find that now in my job when, you know, there's so many people that want to network with me now and, you know, networking is so hard and I've always hated networking. Cause I just feel like, you know, I hate asking people for stuff. And I feel like that's what networking is like, how can you help me get ahead in my career? And I don't like that attitude about networking. And, and I try to just avoid that. I think 
if you can be helpful to someone or build genuine, real relationships and connections with people, that's where the networking really comes in handy because you never know who you may rely on or when you may need uh, may need them or who's going to give you the tip on the next job that you're going to take. It could come from anyone in your network. Honestly, like when I was at Sports Radio 610, Mark Vandermeer was he was the morning guy and I came up with a funny concept for a song when Peyton Manning was, I think he was a, a free agent or, you know, they, they were, we were joking about signing him in, in Houston. And I, I wrote this entire song about Peyton Manning and Matt Schaub. And I, and he, I knew he liked to play guitar and I was like, you should sing this on your morning show. If you can hit Taylor Swift sort of notes, which I totally think you can. He's a <laughs> rock and roll guy. So I think he thought I was out of my mind, but you know, just some funny little interactions or connections like that with people. I, I just, wanted to just be in the building. That's all I wanted. And I just had a, a genuine enthusiasm. And I think I can see that as well. Now, when we have interns that just love being in the building and you you want to give them something to do because it makes them so happy. And boy, it really does help me out when someone transcribes my interviews for me or edits things for me. I mean, I love that. And I want to help out people like that. So that actually leads me right into my next question beautifully. And okay. that is, what tips do you have for young reporters or just reporters at any stage in their career? for building relationships in the industry, because you talked about networking. And of course, I agree with you that has this kind of connotation of that's like, how can you help me? But it's so important to be building relationships all the time. And it shouldn't just be about how can you help me? It's how can we help each other? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just like it is in, in regular life, you know, just getting to know people and and what their story is and what their journey is. I mean, everyone wants to, you know, meet other people and be liked for who they are, not what they can do for you. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how, how I have found networking works for me. I'm a naturally social person, so I like to chit chat with people and get to know them. But, you know, the funny thing is, like, you never know, like, even in my company here with the Houston Texans, people that I've gotten to know over the years have turned into managers. They've gone from an intern to a manager to a senior manager. I mean, things move really quickly. So, you know, you never know who you're talking to, where, what position they might be five or 10 years down the road. So you, you can't look at people by their title or their position or what they can do for you now. You just have to get to know people. And if, and if you find that you really enjoy someone's company and you're really hitting it off with them, cultivate that relationship, cultivate that friendship, keep in touch with that person, reach out to them when they see you. I know, Tracy, you and I, we met at the NFL Combine just this Mm -hmm. past year. And I think everyone was starved for meeting people because we hadn't had a combine in a couple of years. But you know, we, we'd met through a mutual friend, Keanu Martin, who was with the 49ers, who's now with MLB Network. And then, you know, the, the 49ers were in town at a preseason game. And I saw you on the field and I squinted because I thought, I, I'm pretty sure I've met her. And I, I think that's her. But, you know, just reaching out to someone again and just saying hi. And then, you know, an opportunity like this pops up. Like, I wasn't thinking that you were going to have me on your podcast. I wasn't thinking about you you weren't thinking about getting a guest on your podcast. We met back in February, but you know, we've just sort of connected a few times and hit it off and, and here we are. So that's my best advice is just to try to build genuine connections with people. And, and it doesn't have to be fake. I mean, if you really like, there's people in this building that are not in my department that I just really enjoy their company. And I, I just spend time with them or hang out with them or crack jokes with them and, and include them as part of my work friend circle. So you talked about being very green and they thought you'd been doing this a long time. Kind of with that in mind, did you have a criticism that you were given early on that was that was tough, a constructive criticism, actually, in this case, that was somewhat tough to take, but really helped you to develop in your career? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, in 2014, I started in 2013. And in 2014, we brought our TV production in house. And I was expected to host TV shows, which is great. 
for, I mean, it's funny because now looking back, I should have been jumping up and down, but I was terrified. I was a radio person. I was a writer. I did not know what I felt like. I just looked so awkward on camera. I didn't know where to look. I didn't know how to do my hair. I didn't know how to do my makeup, you know, and it was, um, I got a lot of criticism early on, like, wow, why did you wear that skirt? Or why were you making a bad cheese face? Uh, when you said this one line, you know, and I had to, mm -hmm. I was told to watch myself on camera and that's really, really painful to watch yourself on cameras. Every, I think this is just a natural thing that everyone feels, but you know, when you're watching yourself, knowing that so many other people are watching you too, I did just, I watched with one eye closed and I thought, okay, uh, you know, I have to look this way when the camera does this, or I have to make sure that, you know, I take this angle and not that angle. And when I'm interviewing someone, you know, make sure I'm still kind of facing the camera and, oh, wow, that makeup really doesn't look good on camera. I mean, I just had to be my own worst critic and watch myself over and over again. And, and you know, there's still days when I watch myself and I'm like, oh, I do. I'm not going to wear that shirt again on camera. But I think that's normal. And I think it does make you better. And I, and I do this with my radio stuff too. Radio is a little bit easier for me to listen to my interviews, critique myself, edit it and think, okay, I could have I could have asked that question a little bit cleaner. You know, I, I, I didn't need to stumble as much or, or be so wordy in how I let him into that answer. You know, I, I think that's the, the best criticism is that you just have to evaluate yourself, you know, as hard as it is. And you have to take that criticism and you have to be okay with, you know, just accepting it. People want you to be better. And it, and I'm a perfectionist. I, I hate, I just hate when I mess up or, hear, or you do something wrong, but it's an opportunity to get better for the next time. And, and that's really how I look at it. Yeah. And I think that that is, that is good. But I think, you know, it's important too, as women, we have the appearance stuff that of course, of course. Often don't have it. So, how do you, for your own sake, not get too caught up in that part of it? I just don't think about it. <laughs> okay. That's really well, that's, hard. and that's and that's a good that's a good answer. I mean, I don't because in radio, I'm the most comfortable on the radio because I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about what mm -hmm. my hair is doing or if this shirt looks okay. I just wear what I'm going to wear. I do my hair. I do my makeup. And I once I'm on the air, I have to be so locked into what I'm saying because I don't want to be thinking about something extraneous when, you know, someone's asking me a question or I'm on a live show and I've got a producer yelling in my ear. Like, I just don't have time to worry about all that other stuff. I can worry about it before. I can worry about it after, but I certainly don't have time during. And I feel like that makes me the best version of myself. I also try not to be what I'm not. You know, I think mm -hmm. early on in my career, I was on radio and I had to, I had to host a few nights a week and I would try to be super energetic for the intro. And now this is, you know, Texans all access. And, and, and my boss said, that's not your voice. I know you think that that's how you should open the show, but that's not you. You're not that, you're not that enthusiastic, mm -hmm. which, you know, I, I, like I'm a little bit more flat and dry in, in my delivery, I guess is what he was trying to say. So, I mean, I took that as a welcome criticism because I thought, okay, well, I know how to be myself. You know, mm -hmm. I don't have to try to, I, they want me to just be me. And I think that's what you have to remember at the end of the day is if you try to be someone else, you just end up being nobody. You end up not being that person. You end up just being very vanilla. So you're better off just being who you are because you can do that to the best of your ability. You know, like the inflections, my crazy hands, my hands are all over the place when I talk and, and that's just part of who I am. So, you know, I can tame it a little bit, but I can't just be one of those people that just sits idly by with both hands on the microphone and doesn't move at all. So, you know, that's really, I mean, that's really what I have learned is that I just have to focus on my delivery and my content and let the rest fall into place. Is there a misstep that you are seeing women making as they try to break into the sports industry? 
Ooh, that's a really good one. And that's a tough one. You know, I think as women, you try not to second guess yourself and you try not to second guess others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think I think competition among women, it, it's gotten better. I think when I started, I was one of the few women and I was really lucky that the few women that did come in after me or with me, they were they were really great because there were just so few of us. But I think a lot of women, maybe you align yourselves with the wrong people or the wrong Mm -hmm. persons. You know, you you have to spread yourself out. You can't just talk to women, you know, and you can't just talk to men and you can't just talk to the players or just the coaches. You have to really, you know, cast a wide net of your network, you know, because I, I think that you have to know that people are always watching you. When I, when I started in 2013, I was the first in-house media with, um, locker room access. Okay. And I was hyper, hyper aware that that entire regime was watching what I was doing and who I was talking to in the locker room. And was I being overly chatty or, you know, am I doing my job or what am I wearing? And maybe I was projecting that onto them, Mm -hmm. but I just was very mindful. And I mean, I have kids. It's not like I'm in my twenties and I'm single. I mean, I'm married with kids and I still felt like people looked at me like, okay, why is she here? What Mm -hmm. is she doing here? Why is she having that conversation with the player? You know, that's, you have to build your network, but you have to do it in a way that you just carry yourself with the utmost professionalism at all times. And I think for women, it's not so much a misstep. It's just that you were judged by a different ruler, I feel like, than everyone else. You know, I feel like if, you know, and, and, and Molly Karam, who was with NFL Network and is now with ESPN, I met her a long time ago and I asked her kind of the same thing, like, what's, what's your one, you know, what, give me some advice as I'm starting out. And she said that... Um, a man on the air can and can make a mistake and it's mm-hmm. it's almost forgivable because you think, oh, he didn't mean to say that. But as a woman, especially when you're starting out, if you make a mistake, they think you just don't know your stuff. Right. So you have to over-prepare. And I am yes. an over-preparer like nobody else. I mean, that's my key. That is my superpower is that I can prepare better than anyone else, you know, for game day. So I think you just have to know your stuff and be as professional as you can just with that mindset of some people are always watching what you do until you can really establish, establish yourself in your career. Like now 10 years in, like I'm very relaxed in the locker room. I'm relaxed with people I talk to. I think people have a sense of who I am, but I think early on, you just have to be very, very, very cautious of who you trust and how you carry yourself. Yes. I think, I think that's true. And I hope, I do hope we get to a point where that is not the case. Because I don't know that we ever will. But, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we you should always be professional in man or woman, be professional and carry yourself and know your stuff and prepare all those things. But you know, we may not. And, and it's not necessarily fair. It's certainly not fair, actually, but it is what it is. But we do have to be more careful of the way we carry ourselves for that reason. And, you know, even, you know, I always feel like there's content. There's sometimes there's content around Jimmy Garoppolo that I'd like to do because it would just be fun. Be fun yeah. and people would laugh, but I can't do that content and that's okay, but it would be great if we got to a point where I could, because it would just be fun. <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah. you know, I think we're that. I think that that is just kind of the way it is. And not just Jimmy, there are you know plenty of players and plenty of things that go on that my male colleagues can certainly do and get away with that I cannot. And it's certainly not fair. It is what it is. But I think the way that we do eventually change, change that is kind of going back to what we talked to earlier about the competitiveness and being supportive of each other and kind of cheering each other on man or women uh, in the job that we're doing and the content and we're creating and the, and the information we're putting out there. And if we could do that, 
then I think it does help us get closer to a time where not everything, we're not being watched so carefully, not because we don't want to be watched, but why should we have to be watched any more carefully than our male counterparts? Yeah. And, and maybe it's different in di- for different teams and different industries. I mean, this is me 10 years ago um, with a team that really didn't have a female, in, you know, an inside team, mm-hmm. female team reporter. I mean, we didn't even have anyone on the PR staff that was female. I was one of the first. And then, you know, over time, we've got, you know, female people in the, in the PR staff. And now we've got, you know, coaches and football ops interns. I mean, we have so many more females just in the building than we're here 10 years ago. I do feel like we're trending in the right direction. But I don't know, I just always feel like young women are being watched very, very carefully. And they don't always realize that. And you don't want to get a slap on the hand and then realize that you're being watched. You know, you want to circumvent that. You want to make sure that you just always carry yourself professionally. And, and, you know, you're not where you're not, you're not anywhere where you're not supposed to be. And you're just, you know, doing your job at all times. And and that way, if, if someone does ask what you're doing, you know, it is part of what you're, you're not just idly chit-chatting when you're not supposed to be. I feel like that's something that definitely gets watched. And that's, I mean, that's probably men and women with players. Like, you know, they don't want anybody distracting the players from what they're supposed to be doing during the game week. You know what I mean? That is correct. That is 100% correct. A thousand percent, yeah. Like a thousand percent. That should be, (laughs) the game is the most, obviously the most important thing. Kind of, again, along these lines, you're doing a very good job of helping me write into my (laughs) questions. And I really appreciate that. Oh, okay. you're doing you're doing great. So thank you. If, if you can <laughs> try again and you and you try, you do it well is what I'm trying to say. Um, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice for starting a career in this field, what would it be? Um, one piece of advice. I, I think that, you know, you just got to be able to work for free sometimes. And that's a really hard pill to swallow, I know, for a lot of people, but there's a lot of opportunities out there, you know, your local paper, uh, like a neighborhood paper, or if you're in high school or college, like the local team, cover them, cover them really, really well, because probably no one else is covering them. And just, you know, get that portfolio up. If you want to be a writer, just write articles, write, write, write. If you want to do mm-hmm. broadcasting now with podcasting, like anyone can be a podcaster. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to go out and get a radio show like I did and try to get like a couple hours of airtime. You can, you can podcast, but just get a lot of reps do what you can. Try to get a media credential uh, to a team that maybe is not as well covered in your city. I mean, I didn't realize like like anyone can get a media credential pretty much if you've got an outlet that you're working for. I mean, even the Texans, we've got some smaller outfits and they come in and they they cover the locker room and they cover the beat every single day. So, you know, try to try to get some experience wherever you can. I mean, if it's not the NFL, start at the college. If it's not college, start at high school. You know, if you're the only one covering a sport, there's going to be people that are wanting to consume your content and that'll just make you better, you know, to be an expert in something. I love the fact that I work for a team and I can just be really, really good at covering this team. I know the practice squad players. I know the starters. I know the reserve guys. I know the new guys. I know the veterans. You know, you just, you can really get to know a team inside and out, but you know, you just got to put in some work and, and, and do what you can for free. And second, you know, get people's opinions. There's so many people out there that are willing to help. And if someone says, hey, you know, send me your stuff, I'll take a look at it. Definitely take them up on it. That's something I didn't do. My, my boss, uh, when he knew that I was leaving um, the radio station internship, he said, hey, if you ever want some advice, just hit me up, you know, we'll grab a coffee and I can give you some advice. And when we went, when I went in for the job interview, he asked me, he said, I offered that to you once and you never took me up on it. And I, and I told him, I said, honestly, it was like a few weeks before training camp. I figured you're probably really busy. I just didn't want to be a bother. I just mm-hmm. didn't want to be a bother. I mean, is that not the most 
female thing ever to say. It's true. (laughs) I just didn't want to bother you. And he had offered it to me. And he said, well, I really meant it. I wouldn't have offered it if I didn't mean it. You know, and now working with him, I see that he helps young people all the time. There's some people really built for that. There's some people that really enjoy doing that. And if they offer that, you know, hand to you, take them up on it and then see what you can do to help them in their free time. You know, that's, that's my other bit of advice. I, I wish I had done that more. I probably have more missed opportunities than even that one, just because I thought, oh, people don't really mean that. But guess what? When people offer their help to you in, in a career, just assume that they mean it. <laughs> they wouldn't say, they wouldn't offer They it. wouldn't offer They wouldn't they offer They absolutely would not offer it. And I think maybe a good rule of thumb is, is to an extent, be a bother. I mean, you know, that yeah. there is a line and you, you, it's important to learn that line uh, of either, you know, of being persistent, but not annoying and, and that kind of thing. It's an important line, but when someone offers, that's a great way to learn it because they've offered, take them up on it. They meant right. it or they just would not have said it to begin with. And that's a great way to kind of learn that line and learn, you know, how to take advantage of these kinds of opportunities because they don't come around all the time. So when they do come around, it's important to know how to take advantage of them. Yeah. And always lead with, is there anything that I could ever help you with? Let me know. You know, that way you feel like you're giving them something in return. You know, hey, can I help you with any editing that you ever need to do? Or, you know, do you ever need someone to handle, help you handle equipment on the road? I mean, I'd be happy to do it and just be as helpful as you can. And then, you know, if they want to you know, offer you some advice in the meantime, then, you know, it's a two-way street. So sometimes people don't even expect anything in return. They just want to watch your stuff and give you some advice and give you some feedback. So before we do day in the life and five fun facts, which are two of my favorite parts of this show, (laughs) I want to ask you how you've seen opportunities change and grow for women in the sports industry and how we can still improve. I mean, I, I think when I was growing up, a big part of why I didn't study broadcasting was there was, there were no, there was no such thing as a sideline reporter. I mean, all those jobs were held by men. So obviously seeing how many women we see on TV, not just doing sideline, but doing play-by-play by doing color. I mean, all throughout the NFL analysts sitting at the desk. I mean, the opportunities are certainly there. I think that that's just continued to grow and change. I think you got to find your niche, you know, what mm-hmm. you're good at. And and the one thing, you know, we were talking about it earlier, like things that you wish that you could do with Jimmy Garoppolo that maybe the men can do, you know, we can't always do what guys do. I can't do the sort of analysis that a professional ex-football player does on a game, but I can ask questions that men around me are not going to ask because they feel mm-hmm. silly asking them. Like, you know, I can talk to a player about their fashion or their music taste or their moms or you know, just like a hard time in their life. You know, we can, we can be silly. We can be sentimental. We can talk about very frivolous pop culture things. And, and that's, you know, I think a window into a player, like play, I, I, as a fan, I always really enjoyed when I would hear an interview with a player and it wasn't just about football, but I got to hear them talk about a completely different sport or, you know, give an insight to a game that I never thought of, or them talking about fashion or something that I didn't expect them to talk about. I, I, I enjoy getting to know players like that. And I feel like that's an opportunity that we have as women. Like we, we have a different perspective and we should bring that perspective. I'm a mom. So mm-hmm. I love hearing players talk about their relationships with their moms and, and how much they've meant to them or, or their kids, you know, how having a kid has changed them and what parenting is like. And, you know, we joke about, you know, silly things that kids do that are just really annoying as a parent that you got to deal with. So you can connect with them on so many different levels being a woman and and don't let being a woman limit, you know, how you interact with the player, what you ask in an interview. I think 
the sky's the limit. My, my first year here, it was in fact, my first month with the team. I don't know how NBC somehow reached out to me. They wanted to do an evening story for their, I think it was like their Thursday night or maybe it was their, Oh, it was their Monday night news cast. They wanted Sunday or Monday night. They wanted to talk about women in the NFL because it was kickoff weekend. And okay, uh, they fought. Uh, there was a, a woman who I'm drawing a blank on her name who came down here. Oh, Janet Shamlian from NBC. She came. She lives locally. She's like a, she was like a freelance. She followed me around all day. And I had to interview Brian Cushing, who was, you know, our star linebacker at the time. And Brian was notorious for giving media people the slip. Like he would go in the weight room. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. And then just disappear. And okay. so I was, I was paranoid. I was like, he's going to leave. And literally nothing I'm doing for the entire days is interesting at all. Like I'm sitting at my desk editing stories or writing stories. They definitely don't want any of that. They definitely want my interview. And so I waited outside the weight room like a total stalker um, <laughs> with the NBC crew. And then they took me in, you know, afterwards he came in and we, they shot it on camera. He was in studio with me and they were like, eight people in the in a very, very tiny radio studio, which has never happened since, but it was like our PR department. It was my boss. It was NBC. It was Brian Cushing. And they're all watching me interview him. And he was from Jersey. And there was like this techno EDM music pumping from the weight room. So we, at some point in the interview, we started talking about that. And I asked him what about him made him really Jersey other than the music. And he said his tans and he started, he started telling, telling us about how he got fake tans, which he is such a serious, like, you know, he, he had bit butted somebody with his helmet off once in a game. Like he's super intense. So for him to open up and talk about tanning, like everybody in the room's mouth fell open. Like he, he doesn't open up like that. And so I wasn't nervous. I, in fact, I was afraid that I was going to get in trouble that like, I've got NBC and I've got this like you know, star linebacker. And I'm, we're talking about tanning and everyone thought it was great because it was something that they'd not really ever heard him talk about before. But I mean, I, I think that's to your point, just opportunities, you know, just be yourself and be who you are and don't let your perspective as a woman hinder you, you know, embrace it and let that just add more color and more flavor to your stories and your interviews and everything that you go out and endeavor to do. Well, I think being able to bring a different perspective is what will separate you. And it's something I work on a lot on our beat. And, you know, I started on our beat because I covered all of the Fortnite's community events because that was something that was really important to me. And so I would cover all of the events. And I think it also kind of gave me a little bit of credibility in terms of, you know, I'd started my company and started my blog and my podcast and all of that. And it was clear that I really was interested in covering all aspects of the team. And then it was shortly thereafter that I was credentialed. And I think it was that perspective that, you know, was able to differentiate me a little bit and to help me to learn, to earn a little bit more credibility. And this is now my, my seventh season doing this. And even now I am doing different, I try to do different types of things. Like for, for week one game day, everybody writes a game day story every week. My story was about the nutrition staff and what does it take to feed oh, a football team yeah. and how do you how do you put together meal plans for different position groups and, and all of that because nobody else is covering that and I think that's interesting and it brings a different perspective. We do five fun facts, which we're gonna do with you in a little bit. And and I do things like that. And I think it's important, like you said, to find your niche, find your perspective because that is what will make it different. And then your content is different. There's certain things I do that of course everybody does. We have practice reports and game stories yeah, we and do. all of that. Right. 
but it's nice to bring your perspective because that is what will differentiate you. I mean, I'm, I have to do the X's and O's. I have to do those as well. But I find myself getting interviews that a lot of people don't normally get. I mean, Arian Foster is a perfect example. He hated talking to the media, but he did an interview with me and we talked about yoga. We talked about writing poetry. Mm-hmm. We talked about, um, you know, we talked about his hobbies. He had a lot of hobbies. And so, you know, I, I think that I was okay talking a little bit about football, but I could talk about a lot of other things. Laramie Tunsil's another guy, our uh, starting left tackle. When he first got traded to the Texans, he said, I'll do an interview, but you can't ask me a single question about football. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And I took that as a personal challenge. And we had this great conversation. And I actually talked to him in the locker room the other day. I'm like, you know, we need to revisit that. And maybe this time I can ask you a few questions about football. And he said, okay, maybe, maybe just the beginning. I said, okay, at the beginning and maybe a few at the end. So, you know, I, I, I sort of joke around about like, you know, the, they, the players actually don't want to talk about, they, I think they get asked about football all the time. Right. They actually enjoy people getting to know them for who they are. They're not just a number. They're not just a position on the field. And while that is their job and they make a lot of money doing it, and that's what people are interested in, it's kind of nice to know that there's another side of them too, because it gives you the full picture of who they are as a player and as a person and what really motivates them. I, I compare it to the Olympics. Like when I watch the Olympics, I like to watch the entire backstory of a person. And then I'm really invested in wanting them to win, you know, like, oh, well, this person, like they, you know, they moved 18 times as a child and then they lost their father. And, you know, I just really want this for them. I, I think that really allows fans to root for a player when they know who they are. You know, it makes it so much more personal to them. And I think it's why the players and fans have loved five fun facts, because it's the players opportunity to share things about themselves that people wouldn't necessarily know. And it's so funny. Almost always they, you know, you'll see on this show, we ask everybody to say five questions, but almost always they say five. I can't go with five. And by the time we're done, they're like, well, actually I have a five. Uh, So it's, it's pretty fun. But I think that that is, that is important. And so with that kind of in mind, let's start, you can take us through a day in the life of DP Sadu, and it could be, you know, a weekday, it could be a game day, really whatever you want to share with us. Oh gosh. Why don't we do, uh, we'll do uh, I don't know. What do you prefer game day or weekday? That's it's, it's up to you. What do you think would be the most interesting or just kind of the most varied? Really, um, it's, it's up to you. Or what do you like talking about? Uh, we can do, let's, well, I think game day is always exciting. So Great. why don't, yeah, why don't we do, do a game day? Do. I don't do think people want to hear, people don't want to hear me getting up in the morning and taking my kids to school on, on a weekday because probably everybody has to do that. Um, but on, on Sundays, let's say a noon game, I'll get up around seven, seven 30. I'll, I'll get my stuff together. I had to, I like to get to the office about three hours before a kick, uh, just to beat the traffic and just, you know, I just want to get into football mode and I, I don't feel like I can do that at home. Although at home I'll have NFL network on, I'll have ESPN on. I'll just literally all I consume on game day is football then I get to the, st- I listen to the pregame show on the way to the stadium. I get to the stadium. I get on Twitter. I start, you know, I usually have my rundown for my pregame show mostly set, but mm-hmm. you know, I'll just add a few more tweaks. We usually have some transactions that come down on Saturday, guys that get elevated from practice squad to active roster. I'll sort of add those changes in as well. And then I'll, I'll put the finishing touches on my rundown for the pregame show, which I do about an hour before kick. So once that's all done and, you know, I've, I've surfed through, I've read all of Twitter and seen what's going on throughout the league, I'll, I'll take a little walk around the stadium. I like to go down to the field. I feel like if there's anything that gets you in the football mood is 
walking on on a football field and just seeing the players warming up and you see the opposing players on the team as well. And you just get a good look at everybody warming up and get a feel for what the atmosphere feels like. It's it's not super loud yet. The fans are not really there. There's just sort of starting to trickle in, but I like to walk on the field. Sometimes I'll meet up with my counterparts from the opposing team and, and catch up with them. Another great way to network. Cause you know, you've met these people mm-hmm. at the combine and, and let, that's actually where I ran into you. It's like just yeah. kind of nice to touch base with them. Cause sometimes you don't like, you're not going to play the 49ers for a while again. So you right. know, who knows when I'll see you again during a game day. I also ran into our former PR director. She was working on Amazon prime. Um, you know, you just never know people. It's such a transient business. I mean, you know, this Tracy, like you'll just yes. see people that used to work you know, in your organization or that you used to work with or you come across with and they've changed teams. It's just really cool. And I mean, I really like that aspect of it. So walking on the field kind of gets me in game day mode. It also helps me reconnect with people that I normally don't see. And then about 90 minutes before kickoff, I get out of there, I grab all my stuff and then I head up to our game day desk, which is like in the stands. It's in the 500 level. We have this huge desk, which is located right above the DJ booth and so it's super loud, but we, we stand there and we do our pregame show with Drew Doherty and I, who's my counterpart. And, you know, I get plugged in with the producers, we get all the camera views and the angles up and, and we kick off our, our pregame show. It's live. So, you know, it's like, you have to really be in that mindset. You got a producer in your ear. There's, it's really loud in the stadium. Plus you're watching what they're showing on the feed and you're trying to break down the game. And then we answer fan questions as well. We get to some quotes of the week, top stories of the week, answer fan questions. We do our sleeper picks. We have a lot of moving parts to the pregame show. So that usually runs about 30, 35 minutes. We're live for about 30, 35 minutes. And then when that's done, uh, I say my goodbyes, I head up to the press box and then in the press box, I will write. So I'm the lead writer for the Houston Texans. I'll write my stories throughout the game. If something big happens, we had a tight end that just signed with us about a week ago, OJ Howard, who was with the Bucks, he caught two touchdowns and mm-hmm. he just showed up to practice. I mean, he just met his teammates like a week ago. So wrote a story on him and thought I'll add in some quotes afterwards. I'll catch up with him after the game and talk to him after the game. I, I, during the game, I'm writing a recap of how it's going. This last Sunday was really tricky because the Texans were leading 20 to three heading into the fourth quarter. The game goes into overtime and then it's a tie. So I really, I felt like I had to just delete my whole story and start over right. again because the entire mood of my story had changed by the end of that game. Um, I write the story. As soon as the, the game is over, I head down to the locker room. I head down to the Houston Texans locker room. I don't go into the opposing locker room, but you go in there, uh, you know, either I, I'll hear uh, the Levy Smith press conference, the coaches press conference and a few players at the podium or I'll go into the locker room. So this time I, I went into the locker room you know, and it's hard. It's hard. A tie feels like a loss, Tracy. I did not know yeah. this. Things things that mm-hmm. you learn on the job um, because of the way it went down. And so you, you got to ask, you know, I guess it's even if you're asking easy questions, it's still hard because, you know, no one's in the mood to talk, but you got to get some interviews and you got to get some quotes for your stories. And I also do a player show on Tuesday. So I try to collect a few interviews for that so we can talk about that for Tuesday's game. So I cover the locker room, get some quotes, get some one-on-one interviews. And then after that, I head back to the press box, grab my stuff. I usually go down to my desk and then I just write for a couple of hours and I recap the game. And, um, you know, that's usually, I think yesterday, Sunday, I got home at about 7 p.m. Okay. So it was about 9 to 7, 10 hour game mm-hmm. day. And that's, that's an overtime game. So maybe that's a little bit longer than usual, but that's a typical game day. I mean, it's, it's pretty yeah, crazy. It's a long day. And it's a long day. And it's funny because, um, 
And this bugs me so much. I'll have people say, oh, the game's at noon. So can you meet for brunch? <laughs> like I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, just no. show up to the game and watch. Like it's, it's work. It's a work day. And so I like to go to bed early the night before. I've got like a pregame routine the night before and the day of the game. I, I guess I do have a routine now that I think about it. I don't think I've ever really thought about it, but I think I'm just very, all I listen to or watch or I don't listen to music. I don't watch any other shows. It's like all football leading up to the game. And it's pretty much all football after the game too. Like yeah. even I come home and I'll, I'll watch all the other games and I'll catch up on the scores and, you know, keep Sunday night football on while I'm, you know, doing the dishes or, or helping my kids with their homework. But it's a full day. It's exciting. I mean, that's the day we live for every single every single week and throughout the off season. So yeah, it's a is, lot of fun. Yeah, that is true. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you, DB. I cannot let you go though, because I, we have to do, of course, uh, the aforementioned five fun facts. And as I said earlier with the 49ers players, we do it on video and they, okay. do, they get to pick their five fun facts. <laughs> okay. And on this show, we ask everybody the same five questions every week, which is awesome because okay. we get such different answers. So without further ado, five fun facts with DP. Ready. Do. All right, DP, what is your favorite moment in sports? This was hard, Tracy, but I'm going to go with the first ever Texans playoff game in 2011. It was the first playoff game in franchise history. I actually attended the game as a fan. Aww. I was not uh, working for the team at the time, but that was J.J. Watt as a rookie. He got the pick six pretty much in front of us. I mean, we were all higher up, but got the pick six and ran it back in the end zone. And now that I work with the Texans, I, I would see that picture everywhere and I just remember that the city, this city was insane for that entire week, that entire season. And that game, that moment was probably the loudest moment. Um, one of the loudest moments I've ever heard. And I, I know I've covered J.J. Watt when he was here with the Texans and he would talk about that too. Like it was deafening. So to see his rise to meteoric fame, it all started with that moment. I'll never forget that. And, you know, to be a part of a, a franchise's, franchise's first I was also at the first game in franchise history back in 2002 when they beat the Cowboys. But I don't know. I, that playoff game was just so special. That's got to be one of my favorites. What is your life motto? Life motto. Uh, I love this quote. She remembered who she was and the game changed. And I oh, believe I it's uh, a, someone named Lala Delia. And I saw it somewhere and I wrote it inside of my planner. It's on the first page of my planner. And I look at it every single day when I open up my planner, because sometimes you're just having a bad day and, or things are not going your way or you're unhappy with something. And I just think, nope, this is not who I'm, I am. Like I I've made it through worse. I've got myself here and I'm going to get myself through this too. So it just sort of helps me when I'm having like a down day or I'm feeling, you know, less than confident in something that I'm about to do. I just think, you know, this, it just gives me like a, a, a burst of, of confidence, a little shot in the arm, and then I'm ready to go. And I just feel like it's so applicable because we work in sports. Absolutely. What is your go-to workout? I mean, I used to love running. I was a runner. I used to go on road trips and take my tennis shoes, but now I'm really into weights, Tracy. I feel like- I love it. Better for my knees. I'm always lifting weights and I feel like I can just eat more and do more. And, you know, my, it, my knees and my hips thank me for not running as much as I used to. Go to coffee order. A chai latte. I'm Indian, so I drink a lot of chai. So a chai latte. If in a pinch they don't have chai latte, I'll go caramel macchiato. Oh, I love a caramel macchiato. Mm. And a book every woman should read. I've actually been reading this lately. I'm pretty much done with it, but The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You by Lydia Finette. 
Uh, it's this woman who, it's great. I think it, I was reading the reviews on Amazon and I think it's actually great. Not even if you're starting in your career, but also if you're like in the mid, mid, mid midway through your career, or you're just stuck in your career. It's a great way to sort of recenter yourself, refocus yourself. I mean, she talks about being an auctioneer for Christie's and how she got herself her job and, and all the, the tough moments she's dealt with in her career and how she sort of flipped them around and really turned them in positives. It's about how, how to ask for more money, how much women are probably being underpaid and how she realized it through her life. So a lot of very relatable things. It's not like a book that tells you, oh, you're doing it wrong, but she sort of talks about her experiences and how she learned from them. And I don't know, I find it very inspiring, but I also, Sheryl Sandberg, lean in. I mean, I, I think everybody's read that by now, but I think uh, The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is Geo is definitely one to read. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, DP. This was so fun. And this was just a fantastic conversation. So I'm very glad we ran into each other again in the press box. Uh, me too. Said, Networking, uh, everybody. <laughs> absolutely. So what? where can everybody find you? You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram. I'm at Deep Slan. Also, HoustonTexans.com. You know, I've always got stuff up there. We've got, I've got a YouTube channel. You can go to YouTube and search Deep Slan. All of my shows pop up there as well. But just follow me on Twitter. And uh, hey, if you ever have a question or need advice, just hit me up. I actually say that and I mean it. So, so take, happy to help. <laughs> take her up on that. You guys, we are brought to you by Bet Online. If you like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.